Hey, we're in the book of Acts. What a surprise. So last week we, we had, a, had a bit of a history lesson. I'm going to go and kind of do the Acts chapter 12 pretty quick, and then I want to focus in on, on one um, part of, of the book. So in, in Acts chapter 12, again, the, the church is being, you know, come, coming alive, but persecution is beginning to happen. King Herod, it says, and it says, Now about the time Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass um, some of the or some from the church. This is a different King Herod. Now, remember, you, you've probably been reading the Bible and you've been hearing about King Herod. Herod was the one uh, who persecuted Ma- uh, Mary and Joseph and tried to have Jesus killed as a baby. But that's a different Herod. There were actually four King Herods in the Bible. Keeping them all straight is a little difficult. So Herod the Great uh, was the the first Herod. He actually died in 4 BC. He was the one who was persecuting, um, had all the babies killed, and that was a different Herod. He had a couple of kids, and his kids ruled in different areas of of Judea and Galilee and things like that. And so he had um, Herod Archelaus. He ruled Judea, Idumea, and Samaria, and for not very long, and then he had another son um, known as Herod the Tetrarch or Antipas. And you may have seen Herod Antipas. Um, he was the one who ruled over Galilee. He was tolerant, more tolerant to the Jews um, than, than, uh, than some of the other people. He, but he was the one who had John the Baptist killed. And he was the same Herod that questioned Jesus. Um, he wanted to hear from Jesus. He questioned him, but when Jesus wouldn't reply to him, he sent him back to Pontius Pilate when Jesus was crucified. So that's actually one of Herod the Great's son, another Herod. This Herod is the grandson of Herod the Great. And this is Herod Agrippa I. And um, it's, he's actually uh, persecuting the church, and he has the Apostle James, as we read right here, killed. Um, James is the first apostle who's martyred for the faith. He has James killed, and it's, the Bible says here that it pleased the Jews so much that he has Peter arrested. And so that's kind of what's happening in, in chapter 2. Peter um, becomes arrested. It's during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, so he's not killed yet. Things aren't looking too good for the new church. James is dead. Peter's in jail and about to die. The church has been you know, dispersed over the whole land. And, uh, and things aren't looking too good until the middle of the night. An angel shows up to Peter. And this is just all in chapter 12 here. An angel shows up to Peter, hits him in the side, wakes him up. And it says that Peter is between two guards. There's centuries everywhere. And Peter gets up and, and he says, hurry, dress, let's go. Peter thinks it's a vision. He just thinks he's having this vision. He's already had a vision. Remember, the sheet's coming down. So he wakes up, passes through all the guards, walks out. The gates open by themselves, the Bible says. And Peter doesn't come to until they're a whole street away. And he realizes that it's not a dream, it's not a vision, that the angel of the Lord actually just brought Peter out of prison. Which is pretty cool if you ask me. What does he do? Um, this is going to just sum up the chapter. Peter then goes immediately uh, to the house of Mary where the disciples are praying and he knocks on the door. Now think about this. He just escaped from prison. You know, people are after him. He's, he's, he's probably a little nervous. And so he goes to where he knows the disciples would be. It says that they were praying. He knocks on the door and most of us know this story. It's kind of funny. Rhoda, a servant girl, comes to the door and Peter's like, Rhoda, let me in. They're going to kill me. 
And she gets so excited, she leaves Peter outside, runs back to the rest of the disciples and says, Peter's at the door. And they're like, you're crazy. Peter's been arrested. That's why we're here. We're praying for his release. And they argue. And finally, they're like, well, maybe he's dead. Maybe it's his angel. Finally, you know, Peter's out there knocking. They finally go and let him in. And he tells the whole story of what happened, which is really miraculous. Um, says says he, he motions to them and he tells them what's going on. And at the end, he says, tell James and the brothers about this, about his rescue, about what's going on. And then it says that the Bible says, he says, Peter leaves for another place. And my response to that is no duh. Because if he doesn't leave for another place, he's dead. Because this is real serious. For us, we read it and so it's kind of a fun story. They are looking for him. Um, and uh, you know, if you know any time there's an escapee from prison, they look really hard for him. You know, you ever been driving on the freeways and the signs that say "Don't pick up hitchhikers"? You know, and we were actually coming down this year from um, from the redwoods, and uh, and there was a there was a prison somewhere clo- close along there, and we saw these huge search parties a lot of police and found out that somebody had escaped from the prison up there and was hiding in the woods over in the redwoods and uh, i mean they they got him they always, almost always do and so so peter takes off and um herod finds out that peter's gone right away he questions the guard and he has them killed and i'm not going to get into that one a little bit but wow you know, God could have maybe stopped that, but he didn't. The, the guards get killed. Herod is angry. Towards the end of the chapter, we, we see Her- a whole other part of the story. And this is where Herod dies a violent death. Starting in verse 20, it says, you know, Herod had been very angry with this group of people. They came to him with one accord, and uh, having made Blastus the king's personal aid their friend, they asked for peace. Verse 21, so on a set day, Herod, he was arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne, and gave an oration to them. And the people kept shouting, the voice of a god and not of a man. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God and he was eaten by worms and died. So today we're going to talk about being eaten by worms and dying. No, that we're not. But, but this is what happens to Herod. This is a strange story, right? He was eaten by worms and he died. Now, there's a, there's a, was a Jewish historian named Flavius Josephus. Most people just refer to him as Josephus. He was one of the most prominent historians that we, we know of um, in, the, in the, this, this time. He was not a believer. He was just a Jewish historian. He writes in his book, Jewish Antiquities, the exact story, the account of what's happened here. He goes into a little bit more detail. But actually, Herod, the, it's, it's in... It's like in chapter 19, or book 19 of Antiquities. He tells a story of, of uh, Herod giving this big speech, and all the people, he goes into more, more detail than here, but the details are exactly right, so it's really neat. The, the historical ca- account goes hand in hand, and it said that he, he was talking to the people, and they began to give to, uh, ascribe to him deity, and, and Ju- Josephus said the same thing. He didn't um, back it off. He just received it, and it says that he began to feel ill very, with very severe pains. Again, this is a history book we're talking about, and he himself began to say, 
I am going to die for not giving God glory. And five days later, history tells us that, jo- that Herod dies. Uh, from, and probably it was related to, uh, Herod was quasi-Jewish, but he didn't live by all the rules. They, they, remember, the Jews weren't allowed to eat pork. Well, in the time, there was a lot of serious illnesses, sicknesses with pigs, and he likely died of, of, a, of worms from eating pig, which he would have done out of, out of brazen uh, pride to say, I don't have to submit to Jewish, Jewish rules, even though he was quite, you know, supposedly Jewish. So that's actually how Herod died. He literally was eaten by, by worms and, and died. When we were living in Guatemala, there was a, a young girl. Some of you... Uh, may have actually helped her when we when we were working down there. Um, we were contacted by a local missionary, uh, Marco, and and we went up to the village and we adopted this this girl for a time. She was dying. She had a worm on her brain, and it was it came in through her foot, just from walking around, and it was attacking her brain. And she was dying because she could not afford twenty dollars a month of medication. And so, praise God, um, you know, we just, we just began to help her out, help the family out. And about six months later, we got to visit her. She was fine and healed. But she was just a month or two away from death, basically from the same thing. Worms, you know, can, can kill you. And, but it's, I think it's really neat that we see in the Bible and the historical Josephus story going, the Bible is just a great history book. And Herod really was eaten by worms and died. You know, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, I think I'll eat some worms and die type of thing. (laughs) I guess it is true. But we're not going to focus on that today. We're going to, I want to focus on Peter's escape from prison beginning in verse 6. And and not the history, I really wanted to go really quick through the history and and what's going on in the book of Acts just to kind of hit it so we know what's going on. Um, remember, this is not a storybook. It's a history book, the book of Acts. It's the history of the church. It's the history of the Holy Spirit and the birth of, of something new. But when I was reading this and praying this week, what I was struck with was, was simply this, and we began to talk about it a little bit this morning during worship. Peter's in, in prison. God didn't have to allow that to happen. He did. Now, I don't know about you. Sometimes I think, well, why do cer- certain things happen? You know, God could have stopped the arrest but he waited until Peter was arrested. Now, he chose not to stop James's death. Now, now in your life, you have, have things, I imagine, that you have no answers for. Things that you go, I don't understand why this happened. I don't understand, and I wish I had answers, but I don't. So many of the things that happen in life, we don't have answers for. We have to trust God. There is a great book by James Dobson. It says, When God Doesn't Make Sense. I encourage you to get it as a resource because many times God doesn't make sense, at least in the moment. We do find that down the... Who thinks God makes more sense of the stuff that happened to you in the past than the things that are happening to you in the present? Amen. Most of us can agree. It's like, you know, now that I look back, now I kind of realize why that happened. But at the time... You're just going, what a bummer. God, why is this happening? And it isn't also surprising that no matter what trial we're going through right now, it's the worst one. <laughs> it's kind of like when you get sick. I don't know if this has been, if this is, this is, this has been me. When I, when I have a really bad sore throat, I go, oh, sore throats are the worst. Yeah. And then when I have that really hacking, nagging cough, 
I say, this cough is the worst. And then when you're about to throw up, you go, throwing up is, right? No matter what you're going through, it kind of seems like everything is the worst. So the trials that you're going through today, they, they can get magnified. And, and if you have your wits about you, you can say, I know this isn't that big a deal, but what is it that our emotions override us so often and put this on us and we just... It's like this thing that in a week will be this big. Today is this big. Okay, so we go through trials like that. Well, now, getting arrested and about to die is probably bigger than this. Probably bigger than this. And this is what Peter's going through. But in that process, like, why didn't God stop it before? Well, I believe the reason he didn't, or at least one of the reasons he didn't, I can't really, I, mean, I, sh- I shouldn't say that I know why God does, does things, but... <laughs> I believe one of the reasons he probably didn't stop Peter's arrest first is to show us part of his character, that he showed us the entire Bible. In fact, one of the biggest things God shows us is that he is the deliverer. God is your deliverer. He is my deliverer. Now, we go all the way back, and, let's, and we'll just go to... Um, I mean, you go all the way to Noah. Noah delivered he and his family through the ark. But let's go a little bit, you know, quite a bit forward. Let's just go to delivering the, the, is, the Israelites from captivity, from bondage. The whole story of the Exodus is that God is the deliverer. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, the Bible says, God delivers Israel. Throughout the time, he raises up, the, uh, after the book of Joshua, in the book of Judges, he would raise up a judge to be a deliverer for the nation of Israel. Interesting, most of the time that we need delivering is because we have done some silly things. We've, we, we've just been dumb. And we've, we've followed after the wrong things in our life. I bet you could say most of the times in your personal life that you've needed a deliverer was not because it was an outside force that started it. Most of the time, it's an inside thing. We have put ourselves in a position to where we now need a deliverer. You've ne- needed a financial blessing. Why? Because you've spent poorly and you got yourself into trouble and you needed financial deliverance you know uh, people they get they end up getting involved in alcohol and drugs and then they need a deliverance from those things not always but often we need a deliverance because we've just made poor choices so we want to talk about that but praise god he still wants to be our deliverer and so that today we want to i want to focus on him because i imagine that most of us in here still need delivering we need god as our deliverer today it might be something you're going through personally right now it could be a financial deliverance you could be have it you might have a, a secret or a, 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 a sin issue a struggle that you just keep going back to you might need deliverance for somebody else in your life who's going through something we need to see god is our deliverer and we need to know let's go to psalm 18 if you want to read good scriptures on god our deliverer read the psalms read the psalms he is our deliverer psalm chapter 18 verse 2 you know, one of the communication methods is to say the same thing in different ways. 
right? When you're communicating something, you could try to say the same thing in a few different ways, using different words to help people understand what the message is. This is exactly what's happening in Psalm chapter 18, encompassing multiple aspects of God and his mercy towards us and his love for us. In verse 2, Psalm 18, verse 2, it says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And then it says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Shan, do you have a hard time reading that without singing it? I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemy. And then if you're, you know, if you're a little bit newer, then you got the Petra version. Chun, 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 the Lord. Anyways, but, but these are, <laughs> some of you remember that version. That's woo. Anyways, but this is how we learn the scriptures on us by, by saying, but what is he saying here? The Lord, he's my rock. You know, rocks don't move. Jesus says you build your house on the rock. So the Lord is our rock. He's our fortress. He's our deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. When I look, I actually looked up these words because sometimes when we're reading the English translation, you'll see something like this. But when you read it in the Hebrew, they use the same word like in a, a slightly different variation a couple of times. And in English, they'll use different words to help us understand, but it's actually really the same Hebrew word. In this one, every one of those is a different word. He's really trying to give us different pieces. The stronghold idea was, was a perch that was up so high that it was inaccessible. It was somewhere where you could hide. Another one was a word that they would call the same area that was hiding inside the walls where you could hide things. And so the idea that God is, he, he hides us, he shelters us, he protects us, and then the deliverer part is, is a little different because that's the one where you steal away. See, some of the, a lot of these words are things where he protects you and he hides you, but the deliverer part it literally means to steal away or to hide away. God wants to steal you away from what you're going through and hide you, but then he also wants to put you in a secure place, inaccessible. God is your deliverer. He wants to be my deliverer, your deliverer, and he also wants to be our fortress and our strength. Thank God that he is worthy to do that. Now, now hopefully already, uh, as I'm speaking, you're probably thinking of, of things in the Bible, maybe things in your personal life. It's amazing how our brains are wired and can do that. Hopefully they're bringing up some positive memories, but think about some of the issues and uh, incidences, that rather, in the Bible where God delivered some people. So, you were a small enough church. Give me a couple, quick. The Israelites, Tammy? Who? That's actually part of my notes. That is a really good one. Daniel and in the you know the you know Shadrach, Meshach, and in uh, Abednego. Yeah, Jonah. He delivered Jonah. Now Jonah's a great story because why did Jonah need delivering? Because he was rebelling, and he was delivered from the big fish. By the way, anyone's a fisherman in here? Orville could tell us this. When fish eat things. They swallow them whole, and they can be in a fish for quite a while. In fact, when you catch a fish, you'll find the bait that you're in there. Because fish, whales don't do that. Fish do. 
Jonah wasn't swallowed by a whale. He was swallowed by a fish. The Bible says it was a fish, and only a fish could swallow something whole and not digest it, and actually you could survive. It's uh, physically possible. They probably say that he was pretty white and bleached out by the time he came out of that fish. But anyways, Jonah, um, let me talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for a minute. God delivered them. Remember, the story was that they wouldn't bow down and worship the, the idol. They were, they were in captivity already. Why were they in captivity? Because they had rebelled. Wow. In fact, after they personally delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and then Dave, Daniel himself gets delivered from the lion's den, right? Deliverance, deliverance, deliverance. God throughout the Bible is showing, I will be your deliverer. Many times it's because the people themselves ended up uh, needing it because of their bad choices. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't want to worship the, the golden calf, and so they're talking to the king and saying, listen, our God, Daniel chapter 3, um, our God will deliver us. Isn't that a great statement? Our God will deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we will not worship your idol." That's, that's important for us, to, to have that faith, to say, God will be my deliverer. But also, I think they understood that he might choose not to, not because he can't. See, remember, God doesn't deliver James. In fact, Peter gets delivered right here and then dies, is crucified upside down later. See, God doesn't always deliver us. There are times he says, no, I'm not going to deliver you from this. You have to walk through this. You have to experience this. Now, praise the Lord, because we are saved, we're delivered. We're ultimately delivered from death. We're delivered from sin and temptation. But there will be things in our life that you won't be delivered from. You'll walk through. And I'm going to want to get to that a little bit more in a minute. And so they say, our God will deliver us, but King, even if he doesn't, will never worship your God. Oh, if it could be so such with us that we would have that faith and that courage to say, you know, my God is my deliverer, but even if he doesn't deliver me, I'm going to worship him. I'm going to trust him because my trust and my love for him is not wrapped up in what I think I need. My trust, your trust in God should not be wrapped up into what you think you need. It needs to be much deeper. In fact, one of the reasons, when the, and there's a parable of the sower and the seed, one of the reasons that the seed grows up is choked out because the worries of the world choke it out. That's whose people who's focused on God being our deliverer and our answer. Unfortunately, we've, I've said this before, one of the things a disservice has been done to the church when people preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, they preach the gospel of God wants to make your life better. He doesn't always make our life better. It's still hard sometimes. But the gospel is that he didn't want, he came to save you from sin and from death, not from a bad time. He wants to come and go much deeper in, in his deliverance with us. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Quickly, I'm going to what, what does God want to deliver us from? You know, we, again, I said the Psalms. Read the Psalms. You see a lot. He delivers us from evil. Even in the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from the evil one. He wants to deliver us from evil. He wants to deliver us from our enemies. 
And, and I think our enemies should be God's enemies. You know, we don't want to suffer for being unrighteous. We don't want to suffer because we have uh, bad attitudes and bad character. But, but we want, if you're going to have an enemy, make it to where your enemy is God's enemy. You know, this person doesn't, doesn't like you because they don't like God. And already, most of you, some of you in here, you have people in your life that don't like you because you love God. And they are your enemy. So he will deliver us from that. I want to focus in a little bit in our, in, our, in our time here on something that we need to be delivered from in this room. And it, let's go to Psalm 34. Psalm 34 is a, is a, a wonderful psalm. I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Again, it's a song we used to sing. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Verse 4 is where I want to focus in on. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Fears. I want to talk just a, for a few minutes, focus in a little bit on needing deliverance from our emotions our fears, and the other emotions that are crippling. See, many of us get crippled by our emotions. It it might be fear, it might be anxiety and worry, and God actually wants to deliver you from those things. I say amen. Thank you, Jesus. Because we all have them. Men, women, some don't show it as much as others. Some fake it better than others. But we're crippled by our emotions and God wants to deliver us. And it really becomes this whole thing of, the, of, of this battleground or the battlefield that happens up here in our mind. And God actually wants to deliver us. Go with me, uh, I, want you to, I want you to go there and I don't always want you to go everywhere because it takes so long. Romans chapter 12. I saw this really, as you're turning there, keep turning. I saw this really silly video the other day, and it was kind of funny. It said, people are sheeple. And they were sitting in a waiting room at a doctor's office, and there was one person who didn't know what was going on. Everyone else did. And every, like, so often, everyone would stand up, just out of nowhere. I don't know if there was a bell or something. It was a little ding, ding, and everybody in the waiting room would stand up just for a second, and then sit back down. And this woman who didn't know what was going on was like first just kind of looking around going, this is really weird. (laughs) After about three or four dings, guess what? She started standing up too. She had no idea why. But likely we would stand up too because at some point you're like, well, am I missing something? Am I doing something wrong? Is, Is this what we're supposed to do? And, and part of that becomes our emotions are now dictating our actions. Well, I don't want to be the only one sitting. Oh, I don't want to miss out. I'm afraid that maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. See, we have a lot of this is actually happening right, right here in between our ears in this amazing creation of our brain. And I want to get more into some, some great things that, that I'm learning in, in my journey of, of this, this battlefield in our mind. But so, so here we have the the fear factor that he wants to deliver us from. In Romans chapter 12, it says, um, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, and I would say our mind is part of that, our whole self, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, 
which is your reasonable service. Well, I, I, I won't go there very much, but that's giving yourself over to God is reasonable. It's not drastic. It's not crazy. It's reasonable because of what he did for us. Holy surrender to God as a living sacrifice is just reasonable. It's a reasonable service. Verse 2 is what I want to focus in on. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't just stand up because the bell goes ding. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our minds need to be renewed daily. Our minds need to be renewed daily. When we're born, we have like 200 trillion uh, nerves in our brain. By the age of two, it cuts in half and we're down to only 100 trillion. Well, it's not very many. Each one of those can, can, uh, will, will birth about 70,000 receptors where your memories are held. And, and these memories get stronger and more fortified the, the more you think about the, that memory, the more that that memory gets struck. The reason we have so many emotional problems is we're always thinking about those things. We're constantly reminded of our fear, the bad circumstance, the situation. And, and this is just physiological, but God created it, so I'm not afraid of science. We shouldn't be afraid of science. God made this amazing brain that all this stuff is happening. And they can do scans of this and, and these, these, uh, these branches on these trees, the more, the, the, the more they're thought about, they get thicker and thicker and stronger and stronger. But praise God, he actually created us so that at nighttime, if we're not thinking about these things, they begin to slough off. And we can begin to change our thought processes we can have our minds renewed by focusing on the Lord and on His truth. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to be delivered from a, a, a lot of things. So you might even have addictions, things, but one of the things is, is what's going on up here. Your thought processes, our fears, anxieties, and worries. And the best way is to focus on what the Word says. Because the word, when you read it, it's not about being fearful. It's about being confident and hopeful in God. It's about knowing who we are as his creation. In the word, so we need to be people who would be finding ourselves more and more in the word and agreeing with the word of God and not agreeing with some of the other stuff. The more you think about the worries, the fears, and all of these things, the stronger and larger those branches get and the more it affects you. Some of you in here right now are going, that explains so much. Because some people, we just, we dwell on it. We think about it. We talk to others about it. We text about it. God help us, we Facebook about it. And, and the Bible says that we need to take thought, captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. When these thought processes are going, what we need to begin to do more and more is to take that thought and say, how does this thought stand up to the word of God? Is this true? Is this, the Bible says, whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is pleasant, think about such things. God wants to deliver us, but this type of deliverance, we have to be part of the work. We have to change the way we're thinking. 
in this neuroscience that is uh, that I'm I'm learning about him. It just I love it. It's just like wow. It just lines up with what God says. Is that the the time that the most of our brains are most active? Believe it or not, is nighttime. And there's these little things. They're basically vacuums that come and look for floppy branches. Floppy branches. Are, are, are the ones that you're not using a lot, you're not thinking about. And at nighttime, these little vacuums come and they suck off these little branches and they clean up all the schluff that you don't need anymore. When you go to bed and the last thing you're doing is thinking about your problem or you're thinking about your sin or you're focused on the things that aren't pleasing to God, you go in there and those things are strong and vibrant and that's not what's getting sucked off. What's getting sucked off is the scriptures you read in the morning because they're not fresh anymore. You haven't been speaking about the word and you're not remembering God's promises because we're focused on the other things. So, so to maybe spend five or ten minutes after you turn off that show and get into the word of God and just read a couple of scriptures and let that be the last thing you think about and let those vacuums come and get rid of the other stuff and begin to clean that up, and actually you'll begin to see a renewed mind where you're focused on the things of God. You don't have to raise your hand, but like, you, know, you can go, wow, I need this. I need this. Our lives, most of our lives would be drastically different if we could have our minds renewed and we could be delivered from our thoughts. Who does the Lord deliver? Just a couple things real quick, and I want to I, I end pretty quick here. Psalm 34, we were just at, says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from my fears. Who's delivered? Those who seek the Lord. We need deliverance, seek the Lord. Be one who seeks the Lord. Those who fear God, the Bible says, are those that he delivers. Again, Psalm 34, 34, I've got other scriptures too. In uh, verse 17, you know, Robert, what Robert was saying at the beginning of worship, talking about living for God and living holy and this, and this even this transformation. That It's not that God is giving you all of these rules and regulations, but he knows how you're created and he wants you to live holy and righteous because it's good for you. See, let's, let's put, put that into this whole thing with the mind. If you're living in sin, what things are getting strengthened in your brain? The sin trees, if you will. The bad thoughts, the things going on. But as we serve the Lord, those things begin to die. They're, they're even coming up with science. And men, I, you know, we're, I'm not going to go too deep in this. Pornography is one of the biggest problems this era has. One in four, at least, pastors look at porn on a regular basis on the internet. The, the, the statistics for men in porn are just absolutely out of this world but but praise god we believe that you can have a renewed mind and actually get victory over even something as difficult as pornography psalm 34:17 says the righteous cry out and the lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles the righteous cry out those who are seeking God, those who have been forgiven, and those who are serving him and, and, and desiring and working at living a right life before us, before him. They're the ones that God delivers. Praise God. There is hope for me and there's hope for you today. We have a great God who will continue to, to, to deliver us and want to deliver us.
Why does he do that? Psalm 18, 17 says, He rescued me because he delighted in me. God delivers you. He delivers me because he actually likes you. So you can poke your wife or husband and say, See, he, he does like me. See? He actually does. He delights in you. And that's why he rescues us. Lamentations 3 says this again, another song. It's so hard to read them without singing it. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. His love for you is steadfast. His mercies never come to an end. His love never ceases. So what we have to do is we have to, Proverbs 28 says, wait for the Lord, hope in the Lord, put your trust in him, seek him with all your heart. That's what we need to do. Psalm 40 says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he turned to me and he heard my cry. This, this next one's pretty vivid. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. Do you ever just be on one of those trips where you let your mind just go and by the time you get there you're like, Man, that's a slimy pit. I mean, it's like hard to get out of that thought process. And I'm just talking, I'm not, some of you are going, yeah, those lusty thoughts. I'm not even talking about, I'm, I'm talking about the stinking thinking that goes on and creates all of this stuff in our life. And he says he wants to pull us out and give us a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth. Yeah, if you're singing things about the Lord, guess what's getting stronger? those trees with those the, 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 the memories and thoughts about who God is as you worship and sing to him. In fact, we know that, that our memories are more solidified through music. That's why I keep referring to the songs. I'm like, oh, I remember that song. I remember the lyrics. Some of you guys say, oh, I can't, I can't memorize scripture. But you guys could sing a song that you learned in third grade. You can remember the high school music that you used to sing. So music is really important in this process. So when you're singing songs, let them be songs of truth in the word of God and get those things going in our mind because we want to have a renewed mind. Blessed, in verse 4, is the man who makes the Lord his trust. He does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Micah 7. I'm just throwing out some scriptures here. Therefore I will look to the Lord and I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Here's what's going to happen. You're getting challenged. You're thinking about this. You're like, yeah, I'm going to do that. You're going to go home and tonight you're going to start thinking the bad thoughts again. You know, it's just going to happen. And then the enemy's going to see, you're a loser. You're a failure. And you say, Oh, rejoice not against me, O oh, mine enemies. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light unto me. And you say, You know what? Though I fell, I will rise because my God loves me. He delights in me. And I'm going to put my focus on Him. I'm going to think about Him. I'm going to meditate on Him. I'm going to worship Him. I'm going to turn off the stinking thinking. I'm going to be renewed. My whole body, our hearts are renewed. We're heaven bound. That's already happened. If you're called on Jesus, you're already going to heaven. Let's get your mind there too. 
Let's get our mind there. Let's get rid of these fears and anxieties by focusing on the Lord. Proverbs 2, 6 through 12, I encourage you to to, to read that. It talks about wisdom and knowledge that they come from the Lord and they bring discretion and understanding to deliver you. See, God gives you your own things too. Like there are people in your life that you know if you call them or if you text them or Facebook them or whatever it is, they're going to talk about the bad stuff again. They're just going to bring you right back down there. And wisdom and discretion that comes from God would say, don't call them. They're not helping you. You know, you, gotta, you, gotta, you might have to change some things in your life. Now don't elbow the person next to you and say, you're going to have to leave, honey. Pastor Rob said, you have to move out. <laughs> but we might have to actually change some of the things that we're doing so that we can get, get these things going. And the Bible says, take every thought captive, make it obedient to Christ, have wisdom, and begin to, to get our minds renewed. I, I, I'm really going on this because there's so much I think will come out of this. If you're struggling with a sin, part of that is because there's a, a mental thing that's been going on too and you're buying the lie and all of these other things. We need to buy the truth. We, we need to have this truth in us. 2 Timothy 4.18, we're going to close. It says, The Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. He wants to deliver you. He wants to deliver me from evil. Whatever that evil is, and sometimes it's just stinking thinking that's causing it, he wants to bring us out, change us and deliver us. He's going to take us to heaven, but he's going to take us there with a a, a righteous mind who's going to finally have victory over the fears, anxieties, worries, over the addictions, the anger. You can trace so many of these things like, why is that there? Because I keep thinking these thoughts. I can't break them. But I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind in Jesus' name. Let's stand. I want to encourage you to stretch out your hands to the Lord this morning. You can pray out loud. You can pray however you want. But let's, let's all pray. Don't just let this be my prayer. You pray something like this, something whatever it is. God, I need you today to be my deliverer. I've allowed myself to be caught into some things that have have put me into bondage and I need you to be my deliverer. God, I repent. Forgive me for my stinking thinking. Forgive me for my actions that came out of my thought processes, God. Lord, I need to have my mind renewed. I need to be transformed and renewed in the mind washed with the water of the word of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for our salvation, God, but we would claim that our our minds and our attitudes would be the same as Jesus Christ and they'd be whole and healthy. God, we pray that you would do a work in my life right now. Deliver me. Deliver me from my fear, from my anxiety, from my anger, from my lack of hope and lack of faith lack of trust. Deliver me. Help my mind, my heart be steadfast upon you. I want to seek you with my whole heart. Don't let me stray from your commands. God, let me find myself in your presence more and more. Let me find myself in the word and being renewed and and buying the truth and not a lie. God, we pray for deliverance today.
And we thank you that you are our deliverer. You are our rock, a stronghold, a very present help in times of trouble. Father, we commit ourselves afresh to you and ask that you would come and deliver us from whatever it is that we're going through today. Each and everyone all across this room this morning, be our deliverer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.